If you walked into just about any saloon in the 1800s, everyone in there would have paid you a pretty penny if you could have told them a story about Jesse James. He started out as a petty thief and common criminal, but his legend grew and he came to be known as one of the greatest guns in the West. For the southern states, recently defeated in the Civil War, he was a hero. But when the law caught up with him, his death was, let's just say, less than heroic. All the hired cowards, hard on the hunt for blood money, dared face this wonderful outlaw, one even against twenty, until he had disarmed himself and turned his back to his assassins. When the war came, he was just turned fifteen. When the war closed, Jesse James had no home. Prescribed, hunted, shot, driven away from among his people, a price put upon his head, what else could a man do with such a nature except what he did do? Written by John Edwards. He was the newspaper editor who really made Jesse James famous. Correct. Well, you're listening to Blind History. I'm Gareth Cliff. My co-host is Anthony Meadera. We're talking about Jesse James, the outlaw. So we've got a pretty exciting episode for you. And I didn't know a damn thing about Jesse James except the name and that he was a cowboy. Turns out he was actually a (laughs) bank robber, married his cousin. There's a whole (laughs) lot of drama here. Yeah, I really enjoyed Jesse James. I read a lot of cowboy books growing up. So I always loved the Westerns, and he was the greatest outlaw of the Wild West. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that. I mean, he was a train robber. He was a guerrilla fighter. We forget that he was also the leader of more than one gang. And this all happened in the period after the Civil War, before and after the Civil War. He was born at the time where the Confederates and the Unionists were going at each other when Abraham Lincoln was president, you know, there was a lot happening in in America at that time. And he certainly took advantage of that to build himself a reputation and steal some money. Yeah, I think it's important to look back at his parents. His dad, Robert James, came from a well-to-do family in Kentucky, and he had a bachelor's in theology. And he met Zeralda. She was young. She was 16 years old. And I love that name. Zeralda, yes. And she, she was quite vicious, as you'll see later. Yeah. Anyway, they got together and they moved to Clay County. They, they bought a small farm. Then they had two children. They had a third. Frank was born first, then Jesse, and then Susan. And he had a restless nature, Robert, but very well to do, successful. And they had slaves. And slaves was part of their upbringing when they grew up in Kentucky. And they brought that across to Missouri. It was also a slave county. And That was something that Jesse grew up with and his brother. They used to go to the auctions with their parents and they used to trade in slaves. But Robert was very restless and it could have been to do with the fact that Zerolda was, was a, was a bitch, but she was apparently (laughs) scary. She'd walk around with a sawn off shotgun, but ultimately in the end, he just kept going. And she did remarry. She married twice after Robert died. And you say she's scary, but she, she eventually ended up with a guy called Samuel. Correct. And Samuel was a doormat basically, and which suited her very well. He got hanged in a tree. They didn't hang him to death, but they hanged him in a tree for a while because the Union soldiers suspected him of some subversive activities in the South and, he, you know, obviously supporting the Confederates. And uh, they apparently beat Jesse as well as a young boy. And this also made them hate the Republicans and the Northerners and, you know, the anti-slavery movement, the abolitionists. And he absolutely hated them with a passion. He was just too young to join his brother, Frank, because 
as you'd mentioned, so the war, the Civil War started. There's a whole lot of background around the Civil War and slaves played a big role in it. In other words, Lincoln and the Unionists, they wanted to abolish it. And within the county, some neighbors were Unionists, some were Confederates. So you didn't know if your neighbor was going to kill you or not. And he was 12, 13, growing up in this type of environment. Frank went out to join the Confederates and go fight against the Unionists. And Jesse had to stay at home. But he always, whenever his brother came, he was right with his brother. And apparently there's a legend or a story that he was cleaning one of Frank's army members' gun and he shot his tip of his finger off. But in general, he always wanted to join his brother. He was itching to get into the fight. Well, listen, these fights were skirmishes. I mean, they called these guys bushwhackers. And the northern forces were called Jayhawkers. So I, I love these names that they gave them. But essentially, it was guerrilla warfare. It's like farm to farm. You know, people would, would move through the countryside and take out anyone who they thought was an enemy. So there was quite a lot of bloodshed. And it couldn't have been a very happy time to live in Missouri. You never know whether someone's your enemy or your friend. You mentioned his mother was a tough cookie. Why do you say she was such a tough woman? Well, first of all, when Robert died, that's Jesse's dad, she had to look after them and everything was auctioned because she didn't have any control over the children because that was the law. And she looked after her family and on her own. And then also what she did was she would she would harbor all the bushwhackers used to come and used to put them up at night. To such an extent, there used to be a room, an open room that they never used and the door was unlocked. And somebody that was on the run, a bushwhacker was on the run that might have taken out or scalped a unionist. They could come in at night, hook up the horse and go to sleep there and clean up and then sneak out in the morning. So she, so she did harbor all the fugitives. And when unionists came, she was very aggressive to them as well. <laughs> and she had a sawn-off shotgun. She had a sawn-off shotgun, correct. All right. So how did Jesse and Frank get into crime? It's all related to the Civil War that I can see. It was opportunity. I mean, it was just like there was, because there was chaos going around. They said, well, why not, why not rob a bank or two in the beginning? Yes, 100%. And they always had that veil of fighting for the Confederates, even when the war ended. Oh, I mean, that always said. It was, a, it was a convenient excuse. I mean, they used the politics of the Civil War to excuse themselves for being greedy thieves. But the scary thing was both sides were violent. So they used to scalp their victims and then tie them onto their saddles. It's, okay, but explain what scalping is because people might not know. So basically you cut off the scalp of your victim so it's just above the brain. And you take that as a memento or I don't know what you call it's it. a hat. It was really scary. And then one of the leaders of one of his gangs was Bill Anderson, but it was bloody Bill Anderson because he used to chop their ears off before he killed them. So let's just talk quickly about the the newspaper editor that you you read that piece from at the beginning. That helped to to really start building the reputation of Jesse James because he was just a normal gangster like a lot of other gang members that were running around at the time. And you mentioned bloody Bill Anderson. But where did his fame start and, and how much did this newspaper editor have to do with it? So his fame started as the war ended. This newspaper editor, John Newman Edwards, was a Confederate soldier during the war. He was a bitter alcoholic, but Content marketing basically started here. Yeah, it's real proof of how they built a legend. And what Jesse James would do was he would write letters to John Edwards. And then John Edwards would often, he didn't have to embellish him that much because Jesse James really believed how great he was and how good he was. But it can just give you an idea, like the art of persuasion from a newspaper. One of the short articles that John Newman Edwards wrote that said that Jesse James wrote to him was, Jesse said, we are not thieves, we are bold robbers. Hurts me very much to be called a thief. 
makes me feel like they were trying to put me on par with Grant and his party. We are bold robbers and proud of the name for Alexander the Great was a bold robber and Julius Caesar, Napoleon Bonaparte and Sir William Wallace were great robbers. Please rank me with them. Wow. So to him, robber was better than thief, but to me, they sound about the same. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was a terrorist. You know, if he lived today. Well, where did, where did he get this reputation though for being like the Robin Hood of the West? Because he wasn't sharing it with anybody. Not at all. I think John Newman Edwards built that persona and the legend and people loved it all over America. They used to read all the stories about Jesse James's exploits. It said, open the safe. Well, blow your brains out. That was one of his famous statements, probably the only statement he said to the bank teller. And, uh, you know, at the time, very daring exploits. They used to rob stagecoaches. They used to rob trains. They used to rob banks. They used to steal horses. And Jesse James was probably one of the best gunmen at the time, you know, in that area in the South and the West. And he had horsemanship second to none. And I think that the Confederates just fell in love with who they thought he was. Well, they'd also lost the war and they needed a hero. I mean, I suppose he filled in the gaps for some of them in that way. But there is also, I mean, there's stories about how, you know, they robbed different banks and there was hardly any money in some of them. <laughs> some of them, it wasn't very well planned. But there was an enemy, uh, a, a guy who really hated him called Crittenden, who was actually the governor of Missouri, right? And Crittenden was so keen to have Jesse James and his brother Frank captured that he did just about anything, including breaking the law. And they eventually got Bob Ford. Bob and Charlie Ford. Bob and his right, they were also brothers. So they were the, there was Frank and, and Jesse James and there was Bob and, and Charlie Ford. And Bob Ford was actually a mole. He was in the gang in order to get Jesse James for Crittenden. Yes, correct. But he was just a thug like the rest of them. He was just a thief as well. But he didn't have the background of the war, so he wasn't a proper operator. So he was in awe of Jesse James. But you can't turn down, I think it was $5,000 on Jesse's head and 5000 on his brother's head. So that was massive amounts of money, and it was just greed, and he was an absolute coward. Well, let's, let's just save his story for a second because there is also the story of, of Pinkerton's, the detective agency, which is really interesting. Yeah, I laughed at that. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> you know, this is a lawless time. People are kind of in the Wild West, as it was called, and you know, shooting this one and robbing that bank and taking from this one. So it's kind of mad. Um, and then there was this detective agency in Chicago who were famous for being – you know, the guys who brought down some fairly important people in, in Chicago. And they sent agents out to try and get Jesse James. And they did everything they could. And they just got killed. I mean, they got taken out when they came near the farmstead. They, they got taken out in the city. They got taken out in the country, pretty much everywhere. And eventually, Pinkerton himself, the agency's founder and leader, decided he was going to take on the case as a personal vendetta. And he went out to the farm where the mother, Zerelda, lived. And he threw some kind of bomb into the house, right? And it exploded and it killed James's half-brother, Archie, but it blew off one of Zerelda's arms. Correct. She tried to blow them away as well. She stood her ground. She put out the fire because this bomb caused a fire. But She put out the fire with one arm. Yes. With that, with and one. shot the, the sawn-off shotgun with one arm to get rid of them. 
They never complained. The thing, though, is is the Pinkertons were absolutely famous. I mean, you hear about the Pinkertons a lot, uh, you know, in these Western stories and actually in the East. Yeah, there was a lot of things happening in Chicago and in New York, and the Pinkertons really made a difference. They, they even gathered military intelligence for the federal government and also to stop Abraham Lincoln getting assassinated prior to him being president. And they got a very bad reputation for blowing up the farm. The southern states they wanted retribution and Jesse and Frank James, they said they should cancel all charges against them. So it backfired on the Pinkertons. And also when the Pinkertons came out early on to sort it out, they just ended up dead. So these guys were so ineffectual against the James and younger gang and Zeralda. Anyway, she sounds tough as nails. I, I would have liked to have met her, but I'm glad that we've encountered her in his story. Either way, uh, back in 1882 in a house that they were staying in, this is Frank and um, – no, it was just Jesse by that stage because Frank had moved on. Frank had gone to live in Virginia with his family. Yeah, they were laying low, and Jesse was with his wife, who was his first cousin. And you mentioned that a little bit earlier. And her name was also Zerelda. She Correct. was named after the mother. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, he, he got married to his cousin. This is a great family story for the West, right? Just like the ones you expect to read. Exactly, yeah. So they, they looked quite a bit alike. <laughs> so, so. It was Jesse and his wife – and, and the two children. The, and, and then the Fords, who were staying with them. And this is not the greatest way for a gangster to die, but he, he got up to like clean a picture above the mantelpiece. And he got up on a chair, and while he was standing there cleaning the picture, Bob Ford pulled out his gun and basically put a bullet in the back of his head. Legend just creates all sorts of stories. And Jesse James knew the time was up. Because he never went without his belt. I think when we were growing up, if my dad would say to me, do you want to go for some ice cream? So I said, well, does Jesse James carry a gun? You know, that was always what we said, yeah. always the Pope Catholic, whatever those type of terms. And and he took his gun belt off, which is which he never, ever did. He took his gun belt off. He turned his back on the two brothers. So there was almost like an inclination that was the end of the road because he said so many times in his career that he would never be taken alive. Well, of course, he didn't know, or maybe he did, that Crittenden had sent the Fords to really essentially be inside men for him. And uh, Bob Ford made some serious money after that, touring the whole of the United States, talking about how he killed Jesse James. They did road trips. They went to Broadway. They went all around mm. the country to reenact how they'd killed Jesse James. But eventually he was killed too. Yeah, in a saloon he had, but he, he died a drunk. I mean, his brother committed suicide. You know, the fact that you killed Jesse James doesn't make you Jesse James was so true in this instance. But what was also quite interesting was Jesse James under pseudonym had rented the house with his family. And so straight away the landlord was a lady came in and kicked the wife out with the children, kicked them onto the street and she moved in there and she started selling souvenirs. There was only one or two bullets that killed him, but there were 50 bullets around that she kept handing out <laughs> for souvenirs. Well, I mean, we must, must also remember that this is the 1800s. They didn't, like, the police didn't cordon it off. It wasn't called a crime scene. You could basically come in straight after he was shot. People were already touring the house, and he was still lying there. Correct. Unbelievable. Anyway, there are rumors that he survived. Of course, most of them are complete nonsense. They did an autopsy. They exhumed the body eventually, and they, they tested the DNA. Jesse James was killed at that time. So there are all these guys who were pretending to be him, like there are people now who pretend to be Elvis. Um, <laughs> but 
but I, I suppose it's it's an interesting life, right? Those those novels that you were talking about, those comics, those Wild West books, mostly inspired by his story. But you know, they all reflect that he would never murder a child or a young boy. But ultimately, in the end, he did, and he also wore a Ku Klux Klan a hat in one of his robberies. So there was a lot of violence in Jesse James, probably built up out of his career where he grew up in this violent society of the Civil War. He didn't honestly take prisoners. I mean, he murdered so many people in his life. I think before he even turned 18, he'd already killed 50 people or something crazy. So like a lot of the people we cover, it's so difficult to describe villain, hero. But I suppose it's on which side of the fence you're on. Well, listen, they still have celebrations in Minnesota. They've got the defeat of Jesse James Day, <laughs> which is the largest outdoor celebration in the state. <laughs> it's held annually in September. And thousands of people watch reenactments of the robberies, a championship rodeo, a carnival, and a whole lot of like 19th century melodrama. So people are still into the story, even now. There was a lot of famous movies. I think the last one was in 2007 with Brad Pitt who played Jesse James, and that was also quite a romantic portrayal as well, to a certain extent. He definitely ended up being larger than life. And I suppose that's the way he died as well. Jesse James, the outlaw. Blind History is brought to you by Taylor Blinds and Shutters. All the episodes are available on the cliffcentral.com website and app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And his last words were, that picture is awful dusty. <laughs> <laughs> that was the famous Jesse James's last words. 